You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here in the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Monday, September 13th, 2021. And on today's show, talk about the Nationals series this past weekend with the Pirates. Should Juan Soto be considered for MVP? And we preview the Marlins and Nationals series coming up on today's show. Hope you guys enjoy. So before we get into this, the show today uh, on some real national stuff, a, a couple things. Number one, um, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 was this past Saturday. Obviously, Nationals had a game on Saturday. Uh, college football was going on. The NFL happened this weekend all throughout it as well. U.S. Open happened in New York City. And um, this it was just it's just a moment of reflection, I think, for a lot of us. Now, I'm 24, so my, I did not have a very good memory. I don't have any memory, actually, of all of what happened on 9-11. It really just doesn't uh, does not register with me about what happened. But I think a lot of us you know, go through what happened that day. There's plenty of things you can watch all over the internet. Um, and I mean like, you know, documentaries and, and specials and, and TV shows. Um, I, I was struck by Adam Schefter's story. Not sure if you guys have seen it, but Adam Schefter's wife uh, was a widow at one point and her husband died in, uh, in 9-11 tragically. And so that was something that, that stood out with me. And he just Adam Schefter talked about how uh, you know, his his wife's former husband was has been a big part of, of their lives and, and how they remember him. And I thought that was a pretty special story, unique story in that respect. Somebody in the sports media world with just such a, an, an odd connection, but a, a connection I think it's worth talking about. And so, um, you know, I think that's something if you want to go check out something 9-11 sports related um, as we kind of move past it right now. It's, it's a great look. Go just Google it. Uh, YouTube it probably. It's there as well. And and then we had the um, we had New York versus New York Mets Yankees this weekend. All across the weekend was uh, it was a fun series. It was a spirited series. Sunday night was a great example of of what that rivalry can be. Um, and I thought that was spectacular to watch. If you guys were able to catch some of that, I, I had that on intermittently between watching the Sunday night football game between the Bears and the Rams, as well as having the New York New York game on. Um, and I think it's just, a, you know, the moments we saw last night with both fan bases and, and, and uh, Stanton's home run and Lindor's performance, and it makes you kind of think back to the games that we had. Uh, you know, the, you look back and the Mets and the Yankees um, tangling right after 9-11 and happened. It just kind of reminds you the power of sport and what sport can do and uplift and bring together and also be a moment of remembrance. Um, so many tributes across the weekend, and so... I think just with that, it's obviously a really sad, a horrible, horrible day in our American history. But I think this weekend, sport was a great reminder um, to remind us of what happened, to remind us of what we lost, and remind us of how we come together as a nation and the way we come together as a as a group, uh, as a collective. So uh, I know I'm not going to go too long on this. It's already passed, but I just wanted to note that I think this weekend was a great way of having the sport there, of reminding us of what happened, which we should be reminded of, but also giving us that enjoyment, that escape, and that also that coming together that we saw American flags everywhere from college game day to baseball games to catching cats at Miami football games using American flags. It was a it was an incredible weekend of sport, and um, I thought it just kind of showed the power 
of sports. So I just wanted to say that before we really get into things. All right, so we're gonna get into. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the Juan Soto stuff here in a second. We're we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're gonna do Juan Soto talk about the Pirates Nat series. Then we're going to do Marlins and Nationals. But first, let's do a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Directv and Directv Stream. You guys know this procedure, right? You got the the phone to watch the highlights. You got the computer to watch the shows. You got the TV on to watch what you know a game maybe. Um, you know, you, you've got your best friends friends log in uh, for HBO Max on your iPad. Well, there's no need to do that anymore with DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so Jesse, I believe Jesse Doherty had this, this weekend where he mentioned the idea that, hey, maybe Juan Soto should be uh, considered for MVP. And look, I- I'm not saying he should be. It's not, it's not the point of this exercise. But I think what we have to consider when we talk about MVP in baseball is that in football, the quarterback is such a valuable position that sometimes a quarterback can overcome uh, elements around him that are not as good. And he is able to kind of uplift his play and raise his play, elevate his play to a level that is, uh, you know, it's a level that is pretty, pretty remarkable to elevate the team's winning. And that is not how baseball works. In basketball, we see the same thing too. LeBron, Anthony Davis, um, Giannis, the guys who win most valuable player whenever they're on the court, they're getting the ball. Think about it in baseball. Now, I know many of you guys are baseball fans, but let's just think about this so just, you know, real quickly. Like Juan Soto does not bat every every half inning, right? He's, that's just not how it works. He is in the field, but there's no guarantee a ball is going to be hit to him. So while he is in the field of play, while he is available to make plays, he's not always being asked to do so in a way that a quarterback or a uh, point guard or a basketball any basketball player you want to pick um, is asked to make plays in a constant way. And also you think about the way baseball teams are constructed, like there are three guys up every inning. So once they make, you know, once they um, they walk Juan Soto, what is Juan supposed to do, right? What, what else can he do? Sure, he can grab a bag, but, you know, do you want a guy like that's that good putting himself in the line trying to steal all the time? That's a great question about whether or not it's the right thing to do. So the whole point of me saying this is that how much should we value winning in uh, in the conversations about who should win MVP in baseball? Mike Trout has won, uh, you know, a few MVPs, and obviously his team did not make the playoffs. And so right now... We're going to go and look at um, the odds currently for most valuable player in the National League. And so the National League, Fernando Tatis Jr. is a minus 250 favorite. Bryce Harper is right there at plus 325. Fred Freeman at plus 1,000. Max Muncy is plus 1,000. And then Juan Soto and Trey Turner are plus 2,500. And then plus 3,300, respectively, excuse me, I should say. So you see the odds there. And you think to yourself, well, if Tatis kind of already has this in the bag, 
uh, is this a worthwhile conversation to have? And I would agree, yes. Because to me, I think the two players that are most deserving of the MVP award right now, I believe it's, it's you know, in terms of performance from the whole year, uh, regardless of team competition, like I think Juan Soto and I think Bryce Harper have been the two most impressive players. Now, full disclosure here, I would actually give Bryce the nod in terms of um, in terms of the actual award itself. I think he has been outstanding. I know he's only played 122 games, which is a few less than some of the guys. I think Tatis is at he's at a few less. He's 110, but um, and the numbers for him are absolutely insane. But I think Bryce has been kind of the best, most feared player in lineups the entire year. But kind of things have gone haywire back and forth for them. I feel like he has been kind of this just steadying presence um, on the season. Juan is the next guy, and I think Juan deserves consideration because let's look at the numbers. 311 batting average, that's uh, third best in the National League. The 457 on base is the best in the National League, and it's by a it's by a rather considerable margin. Uh, the next closest player is four it's 421. Um, that is Bryce Harper. He's right there at 421. The next closest is Jesse Winker at 395. So there are two players right now in the league that get on base uh, above 40% of the time. It's Bryce. It's one. Slugging percentage, Bryce gets the nod in this category. Fernando Tatis is number one, but Bryce goes number two in that category. OPS is is Bryce's. He's at 1.032. Um, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. actually is right there, but obviously it's nationally award. And then the war, uh, Fernando Tatis is a little bit higher, but also think about this too. He was he was moved on. I know you know war calculates this, but like um, you know, I think about wins above replacement. Like think about his defensive performances, and just consider the fact that they had to move him to the outfield. Right, that Fernando Tatis has had to be moved because of his poor defensive play. So all these categories, like I, once again, that's why I think Bryce is the guy. But Juan is up there in every single one of these statistical categories. And just the way he plays, you know, 25 homers. I know he's a seven behind those guys. But he's at 83 runs driven in, which is second. Obviously, his on-base is much is, is higher. And for him, the Ks are way down, too. And so I, I know I know it's not always the best way to measure. I know the game's changed a little bit. But, look, this is a guy who, if you wanted to argue, I, I, think, I think you really can argue. He's the best all-around hitter in baseball just because of the approach. Like, we've had so many conversations on this show about should they move one and should they do that to fit his profile because the way he gets on base, he's creating so many opportunities. Now, does he have the guys, the horses right now to make it work behind him? No. But earlier in the season, when we saw that the big three was together, when they had uh, Trey and they had Juan and they had Kyle Schwarber and the rest of the guys in the lineup too, they were really gelling because, look, you had to pitch to Juan more often than you had to do now. And that is something that he's not suffered from because his approach never changes. His approach has not changed at all. And I love that about him. And I don't want him to be more aggressive at certain times because I think the way he is right now as a player, it's so complete, right? But we don't consider him for MVP because right now the Nationals are a 59-win baseball team, right? There is uh, The Nationals aren't going to lose 100 games this year, but they're going to be a 90-plus loss team. So when you factor that in, it feels like he's not going to get that consideration. Although I would counter and say, look, in the American League, Shohei Otani is probably going to win the American League MVP award, and his team is not winning either. Also, 
Um, think about the, I mean, the Angels. It's funny they, they have a bunch of guys winning MVP all the time. They don't actually you know make the playoffs or anything. So that's the, that's the irony of it. Is the Angels are going to have? Let's see. Um, I just want to make sure I get this uh, correct. AL MVP winners. So you go down the list. Uh, let's see. Mike Trout won in twenty nineteen. Um, let's see. I'm pulling now. All right. So twenty twenty, Jose Abreu. Mike Trout in 19 in the American League. Mike Trout in 16 in the American League. Mike Trout in 14 in the American League. And all those times, I don't believe they made the playoffs in any of those in any of those seasons. Um, and look, I'm, I'm not I'm not arguing that they should. I, I actually think this this is a sport that is more conducive to to just kind of like it not happening that way. So I, I'm kind of of the mind here that Juan Soto should be drawing more MVP consideration. I know Tatis will probably end up winning it. I think Bryce, if I had to vote now, I would say Bryce. But if you want to if you want to kind of change the conversation and say, hey, who is the best all-around hitter in baseball? Uh, I, I think Juan Soto gets the nod there because you look at the way, once again, look at the numbers for Juan Soto. 311 batting average, 457 on base, 528 slugging, which isn't great, 985 OPS, a 6 war. He has got 25 homers on the year, 83 runs, driven in, and he's also got 119 walks on the year, too. That shows the variety of ways in which he hurts you. Now, his Ks are up, but they're not also, his Ks are nowhere near a lot of the top guys, a lot of the guys that we're seeing up there, which, you know, Ks don't matter as much anymore, but I think it just shows you he is a, he is a uh, because he is the most complete player, maybe the most complete hitter, I should say, in the league, that's why he deserves some consideration because that that you know just the fact that he's been the most complete hitter has been on full display. The numbers bear that out of how good he's been this year. So I just wanted to note that maybe I think Juan Soto should be getting some consideration. I think just us who cover the Nationals and watch the Nationals are thinking that because uh, they're not a very good baseball team, which I think we should expand our horizons. But I understand if some people believe winning is what matters. It just in baseball, it's a bit different. All right, let's uh, take one more break. I hear from our sponsors, then we'll move on to this weekend's series with the Nationals and the Pirates. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar in this protein bar game today. They've got coconut, cherry bar chia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calorie ranges from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only four to five grams of net carbs. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com today. It's built.com. Promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so I predicted at the beginning of this weekend the Nationals would end up taking two of three from the Pirates. Did not happen that way. Now we're not going to go through the play-by-play of this entire series. Um, you know, one well, number one, they lost. I don't think anybody wants to hear the entire play-by-play of this series. Um, but there, there are some positives to note along the way. Now, first game in the series was a four-to-three loss for the Nationals in this game, and this was a Pittsburgh rally that allowed this to happen. Um, you got a really awesome start, and we haven't talked much about Josh Rogers. But Josh Rogers has come in and given the Nationals a couple starts now and has kept them in ball games. And you guys know how I adore people who just come in and keep you in games. And Jesse Rogers in this game, six and two-thirds, eight hits, but only two earned runs 
with one strikeout as well. The problem was for them, Patrick Murphy came in and gave up the lead two earned runs there, and that put the Nationals behind the eight ball and allowed the Pirates to get two in the ninth um, and ultimately win this ball game. So you're seeing that uh, in this one. The Nationals, here's how it went down for them scoring-wise. They were able to get across three runs, which I don't think is you know that good considering the opponent. Um, the Nationals were able to get across three runs in this game. Uh, they got a Riley Adams triple and a Lane Thomas single, and it just kind of shows you, this is the second inning too, that the Nationals are going to have some choices to make about these guys. I mean, I don't think those guys are going to be much tough choices to be made. I think they'll be part of the team, obviously. But, like, the way in which they deploy them and how they go and sign other people is going to be super interesting because of the uh, unbelievable performance level in a small sample sample size, have you, of, of those two guys especially. Josh Bell gets a 429-foot home run in his return there. Um, so that's obviously something we love to see for Josh, who just once again has been so solid and strong this year. Uh, a stat that I read from Mark Zuckerman, going back to Lane Thomas, 26 games with the Nats, 312, 404, 548, 18 runs, six doubles, three triples, four homers, 16 RBI, 952 OPS. Uh, guys, girls, friends of the show, you've heard me say it once. You've heard me say it twice. You heard me say it a thousand times. This is a change of scenery game. Sometimes it's all these guys need. Their confidence skyrockets after that. And for him, uh, it clearly has gone to another level now that he has switched locations. All right, 10-7 in the second game, a, a real shootout between the Nats and the Pirates. This was an interesting pitching matchup because it was Josiah Gray against Will Crow. Now, obviously, Will Crow, you all know, no pun intended there, was from the trade for Josh Bell. He was sent over there. So there is that interesting part of this. Nat struggled. I mean, Josiah Gray, four Ks, three hits, five earned runs on the night. The Nats made a couple errors as well. This was a difficult evening for Josiah. His ERA now sits at six. His last few starts have been tough, uh, been tough and he needs to learn how to weather those situations better moving forward. His command, he's leaving way too many pitches in the zone. And then also guys are becoming a lot more patient against him. And, you know, for him, it's about on those nights where the control isn't there, what are you going to do, right? What, what are you going to do to, to mitigate um, those circumstances? And he needs to learn how to do that better. Because once again, hit numbers weren't up, but they still were able to get to him a good deal. Once again, Nationals offense came to play. Seven runs, feel like against the Pirates, should be enough to get the job done, but it was not. K. Bear Ruiz uh, drives in two runs in this game. Alcides Escobar and Juan Soto do a job as well. Yadiel Hernandez got in on the act, and Ryan Zimmerman got himself a home run. That's the Nationals got the scoring done. And, and look, Alcides Escobar, we mentioned this a million times, um, continues to just be so freaking solid. Two for five in that middle game. Uh, Juan Soto goes four for five. You know, we already waxed poetically about how good Juan is. It's good to see K. Bear Ruiz uh, drive in three runs in this game, which he was able to do. So uh, K. Barrowee is getting the job done. Actually, I think it was a not just two runs. It was a basis-clearing uh, double that he got um, in that game. So obviously the Nationals are pleased with that. And you move ahead to the final game of the series, a 6-2 win. And this is where we land on one Patrick Corbin. Seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, four Ks, 101 pitches. The ERA is below six. Uh, this is... More of the Patrick Corbin that we're used to seeing. Another solid start. And for Patrick, you know, I wish he had more opportunities to keep pitching. But the last two starts for him, 
Seven innings, total of five earned runs given up in e- seven innings in each game. Um, 15 hits, he gave up 11 against the Mets, but still able to, was able to keep him to three runs. The K numbers aren't really there, but he was a bit more effective in these games. So there is some progress being made. Um, 3.21 ERA in the 14 innings that he's tossed this month after a 7.18 ERA in the month of August. He was absolutely horrible, but his control was better here. The, sw- the slider was working. You get a lot of good, a lot of contact in this game, but he did a good job. He was able to get through seven games for the national or seven innings rather. And for the Nationals, a team that had burned so much bullpen pitching, the fact that Corbin was able to give them seven innings and they only have to use two bullpen guys was a massive help because the Nats, once again, that pen, if you've been watching, has been unbelievably taxed. For the Nats, good power output in this game. They get home runs from uh, Luis Garcia, Alex Avila, Lane Thomas, and Yadiel Hernandez, a single to drive in their runs. They win 6-2. Nats offense put it on late in this game to get it done. Let's move forward to the series this week. It's a three-game set in our nation's capital through Miami. Uh, 7-0-5, 7-0-5, 1-0-5, your start times. Paulo Espino against Sandy Alcantara. Eric Fetty against Jesus Lazardo. And the Nationals do not have a starter listed uh, for their game on Wednesday against uh, against the Marlins. But I, I think as you'd figure, could be Rogers, right? Because Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yeah, I mean, it's the fifth day that he would be uh, he'd be out there going. So we'll see. We'll see if he gets that start. But uh, um, on four days, Fridays, you know, it's the fifth day, obviously. So we'll see what happens uh, there. But I would assume, even though this is the spot in the, in the rotation is still left open, I assume that that's who we're going to see. So uh, it's going to be a Rodgers versus Rodgers matchup, right? Josh Rodgers against Trevor Rodgers in that game. So that'll be interesting. All right, that will do it for today's show. Going to do a mailbag here coming up. So be on the lookout on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals and at Josh Neighbors for that. Want to get your all's questions here as the season winds down. What you what do you guys want to hear about? Uh, you have questions answered about. We'll discuss that and more. Once again, follow us there at LO underscore Nationals at Josh Neighbors underscore YouTube on the way will be coming once the season ends. So once we hit playoff time, I'll be doing some playoff diaries as well, hopefully on YouTube. Uh, And as always, my friends, until next time, stay safe.